here at the Steps to Investing podcast. Our aim is to bring you news, hints and ideas, all designed for the inexperienced investor. Hello, I'm Simon Longfellow. And I'm Marcus De Silva. And welcome to Series 2, Episode 6 of the programme. This week we look again at pensions, but today we talk to pension consolidation expert Pension B. How can you find your old pensions and bring them all together under one roof? We chat to Claire Riley from Pension B to find the answers. But before that, let's get a roundup of the latest news in markets and companies. Marcus, what's the news in the main global markets? Thank you, Simon. And it's not going to be hard to guess what is influencing sentiment in markets this week. Yes, the presidential election in the US. Now, I made the mistake of saying that we would know the results by the time we recorded this pod. We don't. Um, The results, it seemed, were not as straightforward as some might have guessed. It's affecting markets, but not maybe in the way you expect. We've also had some news from the Bank of England. So in the US, although the presidential race is deadlocked for the moment, markets have rallied on the fact that Republicans are likely to keep hold of the Senate, which means any extremes in policy from Joe Biden are being tamed if he wins the election. So certain tax hikes, increased regulations. Particularly, he would have focused on healthcare and tech. So these sectors have rallied on these developments. It also means that any oversized fiscal stimulus package that the Democrats have wanted are now less likely. And people thought, investors thought, that this could have stoked inflation. So now that that's less likely, we've seen the unwinding of what they call the reflation trade. So that's focusing on stocks that would benefit from higher inflation and economic growth. So areas such as value, companies that appear cheap relative to the market or peers, and also areas such as financials. Um, The S&P 500 is up 166 points to 3,443. In the UK, the Bank of England has announced that it will be increasing its quantitative easing programme. That's where they print money in order to buy assets to stimulate the economy um, by £150 billion. So that will take it from £345 billion to 895 billion. Andrew Bailey, its governor, said this was needed in order to deal with the likely impact of a second lockdown. Um, And he adds that he predicts our economy will go into a a double dip in the last quarter um, of of this year. So the FTSE 100 is up 338 points to 5,919. In Europe, markets are at a two-week high, as stronger-than-expected earnings from certain companies have emerged, much to the delight of traders, and they're also being buoyed by other events around the world and the Bank of England stimulus. So the stock 600 is up 25 points to 366. And in Asia, much of, of the same as other markets, it's tracking Wall Street in the, in the election results. Um, and I think what was interesting there as well was the stalling of Ant Financial's IPO, and we've reported on that a few times. The regulators have stepped in at the last minute, seemingly quite worried at the company's influence on the stability of financial markets there. Um, so perhaps uh, a little bit of a surprise, and it looks like it's going to delay that IPO um, by at least six months. Hong Kong's Hang Seng market is up 1,159 points to 25,695. Okay, moving on to look at companies, and Sainsbury's has announced 3,500 job cuts. 
the retailer said it planned to close about 420 of its standalone Argus stores by March 2024, although it would open 150 more outlets inside the Sainsbury's stores themselves. However, jobs will go in the supermarkets with the closure of its delicatessence and fresh fish and meat counters. Sainsbury's said that 120 standalone Argus stores that had not reopened since they were closed in March would now shut permanently. And once the closure programme was complete, it expected the total number of standalone stores to be about 100. The news comes as the toll of job cuts caused by the virus continues to grow. This week, John Lewis announced it's to close eight stores, putting 1,300 jobs at risk, while Boots, the chemists, has said that 4,300 jobs will go. At the same time, Lloyds Bank is to shed 865 jobs in its insurance and wealth management businesses, and Pizza Hut will close 29 restaurants, with the loss of 450 jobs. Marks & Spencer has announced a loss of £88 million in the six months to the end of September, its first loss in 94 years. It had already announced the loss of 7,000 jobs in August. There was some small respite that came to the high street this week as shoppers rushed out to take to make last-minute purchases or panic buys ahead of the second lockdown starting on Thursday. John Lewis, Curry's PC World and toy chain The Entertainer all extended their opening hours to cope with demand. Primark also reported queues outside its stores. Gary Grant, chief executive of The Entertainer, said it was just like Christmas. And finally, in stock market news, the flotation of Chinese tech giant Ant Group has been stopped at the last minute. Ant, which is backed by Jack Ma, the billionaire founder of e-commerce platform Alibaba, was ready to sell shares worth about $34 billion on Thursday. But Chinese authorities have cited major issues as the reason behind the 11th hour suspension. Okay, so that's the week in companies and markets. Let's move on now to our feature interview. And this week, Marcus spoke to Claire Riley at the investment platform Pension B to learn all about pension consolidation. Last week on the pod, we spoke to fund platform AJ Bell about personal pensions in the form of SIPs. Now, their platform is about having as much choice as possible when it comes to choosing your investments for your pension. But could you find yourself stuck in analysis paralysis, asking, do I really need or want that much choice? Over the past 10 years, much simpler and easier propositions to these giant fund supermarkets have emerged in the form of simplified digital investment platforms. And Pension B is exactly that, but with a razor-sharp focus on clues in the name, pensions. Launched in 2014, they have gone from strength to strength, gathering 367,000 customers, with founder Romy Savova recently appearing on BBC News. With me today is their pension spokesperson, Claire Riley, to discuss exactly what their platform does by way of helping you invest for your pension. Claire, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me, Marcus. So as I said, you were launched in 2014. What was the problem that you were trying to solve? 
Yeah, so 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 back in 2014, Romy, our founder, um, had to move one of her old workplace pensions when she changed jobs. Um, and at the time, she was working in financial services, so she thought, you know, how hard can it be to move a pension? I know all the players in the market. I understand how it all works. Here we go. So so she called some of the big uh, the big major sort of pension providers that she knew the names of, but she found that none of them wanted to speak to her because she hadn't had financial advice. And for those of you who don't know with the big providers, their businesses are often actually very focused on intermediaries. So that's servicing employers or advisors as their customers. And they don't generally work directly with savers. And in fact, they often refer to savers as the end customer. Um, so she thought, OK, fine, I'll just find an advisor. So she reached out to lots of advisors, but no one would call her back because unfortunately she didn't have enough money um, for them to be interested. And, you know, that's generally because advisors for affordability reasons are only going to call you back unless you probably have around 150 to 200,000 pounds. So she didn't get any callbacks from the advisors. Um, and so she sort of ended up at one of the big fund supermarkets. And she found that in order to move her money across, she had to fill out this huge, big pack of paperwork. It was, you know, 30 pages long with loads of questions she didn't really understand. And she then had to post it back and forth. She also had to queue up at the post office to send her original birth certificate to her old provider. So they'd release the funds. And when the money finally came over, they, they presented her with um, about 3,000 different fund options. And it was totally overwhelming and complicated. I think she picked one from a fund manager she'd heard of because, you know, who's got days of their life to spend researching all of those 3,000 different options. She thought, okay, well, that's it, job done. You know, that was pretty time consuming and pretty confusing, and but it's, jo it's job done. Trouble is, it wasn't. After all that, she discovered when she got her first statement that, that her pension had gone down because it turns out in the small print on page 27 of that paper pack that she'd paid 5% to enter the fund. The fund had gone down, she'd lost that money, plus she ended up, she was paying about 2% ongoing. And, and remember, this is someone who works in finance. So she just found that whole process so frustrating and so time consuming and ultimately negative that I think it was that point she started to, to kind of ask around and, and, and speak to other people and see if they were having the same issues. And it turned out that every single person she spoke to had or, or was having some sort of pension issue that they they needed to sort out and, and they didn't really know how to. So that was that people didn't know how much they were paying in fees. They didn't know how their fund was performing. They didn't know what their balance was or what that would mean in retirement. Um, there were a few people who thought they knew where their pension pot was, but it turns out that their provider had sold it to, to another provider. And so it just seemed everyone really kind of had some sort of confusing pension issue that they needed to sort out, but they didn't know how to. And I guess at that point, she knew the market just wasn't set up to serve consumers in the way that, it, that they needed or expected to be. And, and I think the idea for Pension B was born. Mm, yeah. Um, well, I, could I mean, I think that's very much why we're sort of in existence as well, to, to try and help people with that in that, that sort of adv advice gap, as, they, as the FSA sort of described it. And it's interesting, yes. that, that initial charge, I mean, the, the lack of clarity with fees. I mean, I remember my first ever investment, I got clobbered on what they call a big bid-ask spread. So this is where yes. you can have differences between buying and selling. And immediately that was it. I, I lost 150 quid because of that difference. And, and I worked in investments and... And even I didn't see things like that, so I can I can see why there was um there was an issue here that needed to be solved. Okay, so so you've then obviously grown pretty strongly since your launch. Um, Three hundred sixty-seven thousand customers is a lot of a lot of customers. You've got to be 
ahead of the other platforms that have launched and attempted to solve similar problems? Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, th- I think I think a couple of things. I mean, first of all, back, obviously back in 2014 when we started the business, that was the same year as auto-enrolment was being rolled out, right? So we had millions of new people entering the pension system for the first time. And um, by 2019, we'd had 10 million new savers enter the pension system. And of course, they're entering into a market that, as we've just described, is not set up very well to serve consumers. And and so I thought that's kind of, that's that's the problem we're trying to solve. But I think the growth of our business really so quickly is testament to, to both to the company culture and mission, but also to the product that we've created. So. You know, our product is created 100% as a result of listening to customer feedback mm-hmm. and responding with product innovation. So when a customer signs up to Pension B, they get their own named beekeeper. So they'll get an email from, from a, a real person with their photo um, and they get their phone number, they get their email. And that person is their personal guide through through their journey at Pension B with us. And so they can contact their beekeeper at any time. Um, and that beekeeper is there to make the whole process of moving your pension less daunting and more friendly and more simple to understand. And I think, you know, the, the, our customers absolutely love them. When you look at our Trustpilot reviews, you know, they, they feature really heavily, right? The, you know, how much people love the, the, the beekeepers. Mm. And, and, and and I think, you know, it's really, it, it, it's really important, I think, that when the process is that daunting, that people feel supported by by that beekeeper every step of the way and they make the process, you know, uh, less daunting and less complex. Okay, um, let's get on to who your customer base is. I mean, is it is it a, is it a lot of young people that are, are going for this or are you finding you've got customers of all ages? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, look, we're, we're a mass market product. So our products for anyone and everyone aged between 18 and 80 who's got a defined contribution pension. Um, we've also got no minimums, so you know you can you can move a pension across of one pound or you know many millions. It's it's you know for everybody. Um, we've got I think our breakdown is I think around 50% of our customers are between 30 and 45, and then I think about 25% are over 50. Um, we've got 25% self-employed. Um, we're pretty much there for everybody. How do you? I mean, there are in terms of the other platforms out there other digital wealth managers that are, that are out there and we spoke to wealthify as sort of one example and nutmeg i mean there's there's a number of them and they what they often offer is pensions but also ices or dealing accounts as well so why why would you go for you rather than another platform like that 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 has a bit more choice in terms of these tax wrappers in which you can put your investments yeah, I think look, I think the big difference here is that we're a monoline business and like we we only focus and specialize in pensions. And I think really that brings a sort of advantage in terms of we have, you know, much greater knowledge and skill and expertise of the team and all of our BKs, for example, the beekeepers, you know, compared to if you're trying to span a whole range of different financial products. So I think, you know, most of the 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 digital wealth managers, you know, they they mainly offer pensions as a side activity to the main ISA businesses and I think because of that when when pensions play a secondary role and they're not the main focus they just don't get prioritized and I think that gets reflected in the customer service because ultimately what happens is they outsource all of the kind of more complex aspects of pensions such as the transfers the administration uh, tax reconciliation etc that all gets outsourced to third parties um, and who specialize in obviously providing those services but it means that when a customer wants to to do a transfer or make a contribution or withdrawal, anything to do with tax, they're going to have to deal with the administrator um, and, and basically a third party. And what that ends up doing is it, it adds a lot of complexity and friction 
to, to the customer journey and especially for you know when you're encountering delays or, or, or sort of administration issues by the third party they, they can't you can't really scale um, your business um, and maintain consistently high levels of customer service when when you've got you know the sort of you don't own the whole end to end customer journey really um, so I think that's I think that's one thing and that's sort of that's that's something that we've really from day one prioritized which is bringing bringing all the technology and the whole customer journey in house so we built out all of our customer facing and our back office uh, administration systems which run on salesforce so that includes the whole pension administration system so we do all of the tax reconciliation trading with asset managers all of the the pension transfers uh, technology is integrated so we just do straight through processing of transfers from the moment a customer signs up and we own that whole journey so i think that enables us to kind of to 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 provide really high levels of customer service because we don't have to rely on um on on on, on outsourced customer service or administration and I suppose the most important thing is that we don't we don't manage wealth in the way that you know um, in the way that the, the discretionary wealth managers do. So we um, we only work with the world's biggest asset managers because um, we decided from the beginning that there were kind of there were always going to be more experienced people out there than us to manage the money. So so we only work with with the world's biggest investment managers, and we only offer their sort of flagship investment products that are usually available through the workplace. And because of that, because the, because they're life wrapped. It means that we can offer um, 100% financial services financial services compensation scheme protection should something happen to one of those money managers, and that's unique to us. It's not something that you can get normally on one of these other platforms. Can you explain what you mean by life route? Yes, yeah, so so basically, it means that our products are structured as long-term insurance contracts. Um, it's the same type mm-hmm. of of product you'd get if you were in a workplace um, in a workplace scheme. And if something happens to the money manager, the financial services compensation scheme will will, will step in and, and, and guarantee the funds up to 100%. And it basically means that if someone is transferring out of a workplace scheme, um, which they often do when they transfer across to Pension B, they'd be risk neutral in terms of the level of protection that they get by coming across to us. Okay, well, let's get on to the process. You open an account with Pension, pension B. Um, the big thing, I mean, especially becoming more and more so that people move jobs and have tend to have lots of little pensions everywhere. And I can imagine that is a bit of a concern when, you, when you're thinking about a proposition such as this. So how easy is it to sort of collect all those old pensions and bring them into pension? Yeah, so, so, um, so, so the process is really easy. Um, I think, you know, from the beginning, we spent a lot of time focusing on where the friction was in the process and how we could take that pain away. So, yeah, in just under five minutes, you can come onto our website. You give us um, your basic information, so your name, contact details, national insurance number. That's usually the hardest part. And then we just need some basic information on um, on your pensions. So that's the provider names. You don't need to give us a policy number. And then we go off and we do all the hard work. Um, so we go off and, and combine those pensions together into one brand new plan. Um, you know, so obviously for customers, they get a really seamless experience because they sign up in five minutes and then they'll just get updates from their beekeeper when money is being transferred across. Behind the scenes, what's really going on is that, you know, we're still dealing with lots of paperwork. We just automated the transfer process as much as we can our end. So, for example, that we still get, you know, five or six huge sacks of post a day relating to to, to, to paper to paperwork relating to pension transfers but the customers don't have to deal with that so where a provider sends the paperwork what we do to keep it 100 percent online for, for, for the customer we get them to sign electronically 
And then we use a signature robot called Army to sign for them um, on any paperwork that we get back from the providers. So every time we get documentation back, our signature robot called Army will sign for the customer. And that letter will go onto a piece of yes, paper. Yes, it will sign for a piece of paper. Yeah, you can. There's a video. There's a video of Army on our um, on our Instagram um, account actually. And 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 as we got bigger, we ended up having to get an army of armies. So we've now got you know sort of many many armies. Um, but yeah, so so we have Army helping us, but we also have other um, other robots. So we have a giant machine reader called the Falcon, and we tip in all of the post. And then what happens there is that that machine will read all the letters, auto match them to the customer record on Salesforce, upload the letter, and then they will auto respond back with the information the provider needs by email, or, or if not, we'll generate a letter and post it back. But it means that, you know, the machine machines can do, can do all of that. Um, and it's actually more accurate than humans. And it lets the team work on more interesting stuff and not just opening letters and typing them into a database, which let's face it, no one wants to do. Um, and from the customer's perspective, they just get updates by, by email from their beekeeper at a different process at different um stages but but um it's a completely seamless it's completely seamless for them at the front end well that's remarkable um <laughs> uh, so what happens if you i mean this is one of the things if you've got over 30k am i correct in a, in a, in a db scheme you're going to need advice so what happens there yeah so so i mean look generally with with db pensions then you know the best thing is to, is to leave it is to leave it where it is but um so yes yeah, so the law um, I think it's the Pension Schemes Act uh, 2015 introduced this concept of safeguarded benefits, which means that savers legally need to take financial advice before they give up any benefits of over £30,000. Um, so that's not just defined benefit pensions, but that's guaranteed pensions. So guaranteed annuity rates, guaranteed minimums. And, and of course, you know, it's really, really important that people do take that advice because they need to understand what they're giving up. Because mm-hmm. um, so, these things are very valuable, aren't they? They're very valuable, and you know, it's just—it's very rare that someone should give up these, these, you know, to give up a DB pension, right? So, you know, obviously, we um, we will signpost people to. So, if someone's over fifty, we will signpost them always to Pensionwise, which is a free government um, guidance service where you get a face-to-face. Well, maybe they don't do face-to-face now, but they—they—you'll they, get—you'll get an inter- telephone interview at least. Um, or there's the pensions advisory service, the MAP, uh, MAPS, which is the money and pension service. But there are so many great resources online um, with live chat and phone. So you can call up and get some impartial guidance. Um, but obviously, if you do need to legally take advice, then um, then I would, you know, we would always recommend that you, you approach one of the government uh, guidance services to get advice on how to pick an IFA. Because um, if you don't feel comfortable making a decision, then advice, paying for advice might be might be appropriate for you. But it does come at a cost. And sometimes the cost, um, I think we saw a figure recently for onboarding costs for an IFA alone just to just do a basic analysis of someone's pension situation is around £1,500. And that's just the information gathering stage. So really, depending on the size of your pot, it can be sort of you know, prohibitively expensive to, to, to pay for the advice. So that's why we would always sort of signpost to, to the government services as a first port of call. Um, let's let's get on to the investments that you um, that you offer then. Mm-hmm. So more yeah. broadly, you know, how how should clients approach you know your your portfolios, depending perhaps on you know how old they are. If we have a little look at the sort of maybe different ages that that they have. Yeah, I mean. I mean, look, I think the first thing to say that is that one 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 real friction that was clear from that terrible transfer experience that Romy had back in 2014 was 
sort of all of the complexity that comes around trying to decide where your money should be invested. Um, and so what we decided to do from the beginning was to make that whole decision process much easier by only offering products that were already widely available across the whole pensions industry. So that means we have a very limited range of products and they are that we offer plans that are sort of most prevalent within the sector. So the choice you make means that it will always be appropriate for pension saving. It will, you know, it will always be well diversified. It's simple to understand. It will offer a level of protection that you get in a workplace scheme and it's a fair price. Um, so really the fund range we offer is pretty much similar to what you'd find your workplace provider offering you. And, and all of the options are really simple um, to understand and, and are actually available mainly in workplace as well. So, so our default or sort of auto-plick um, product tailored is actually the, the default workplace scheme for employees at BlackRock. Um, our Future World Fund is the, is the workplace scheme at HSBC. Um, our Sharia plan is, is offered by, um, which is for anyone who wants to invest according to their faith, is, is offered by auto-enrollment providers such as Nest or the People's Pension. So, so I think the first thing to say is that, you know, that the, the limited range of products we have are all the most widely used products that you'll find across the rest of the, the rest of the sector. Um, and they all meet a sort of investment philosophy that we have that product, uh, the investment should be diversified. Um, they should be low cost. They should be simple and they should have, they should have that protection. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, when customers sign up, if they don't make an active investment choice, then they're going to be automatically placed into tailored, which is our, um, which is which is a BlackRock product. It's um, a target date fund, and what that means is um, that your portfolio will de-risk over time, whatever age you are. So it means that you know whatever age you are, you're taking on a level of risk appropriate for you based on how many years you are away from retirement. So to give you a sense of how that works, if you sign up to 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 this uh, to tailored and you're 40 years away from retirement then you're going to be placed into, we call them vintages, um, that has 100% exposure to risky assets, such as equities, which means this is the time you should be building your wealth, you should be going for growth. Um, and then as you move close to retirement, so as you get to 30 years before retirement, um, which is 65, um, you know, your, your diversification of the portfolio begins. And what happens is that it starts to de-risk and it starts to reduce your exposure to the more risky assets um, and protect your savings. And as you move closer and closer to retirement, this continues. And so you gradually de-risk as you move closer and closer to, to retirement date. And then I think um, the final end point for that is your portfolio will be around 60% bonds and 40% equities. And I think that that really means that what happens is that, you know, if you sign up to Pension B and you don't make that active choice and then you never look at your pension again before retirement, it means that your, your asset allocation is going to be appropriate for your age as your plan will have automatically adjusted. And there are 12 different asset classes in there. Um, so that's, you know, so, so that's sort of the, the, the default, as, as, we, as we'd say for someone. But obviously, if you do make an active, um, an active choice, then... Um, we have seven other plans that you can you can pick to go into that have you know a variety of different um, you know different objectives. That's really interesting. So, so if you're much younger, your the portfolio in a diversified sense will be loaded up with a lot more risk, probably in the form of more equities, and then it will just gradually over time as you get closer towards retirement, just reduce those riskier assets and, and go into stuff that's much safer, like bonds and um, uh, yeah. uh, stuff like that. So then. Yes. So that that's that's your key key um, product there, and and mm -hmm. would you say 
the majority of your customers are in those tailored portfolios? Yes, yeah, so the majority of customers, um, it's our most popular plan. Um, most most people are in there. Um, obviously, we have um, a range of other products as well. So we have, um, in addition to tailored, we offer um, a product called Tracker, which mm-hmm. is um, so obviously some people are very cost focused. So that fund is 0.5%. Um, and on amounts over 100,000, it halves. So you your blended fee as your port gets bigger will reduce. But Tracker is, um, it just follows the performance of the market. Um, and it aims for growth over a sort of five to 10 year period, but with less risk than an all share index or 100% equity. So it's a 20% bond and cash, um, which gives you some stability against the market volatility, but then you get um, 80% investment in global stock markets as well. So that's sort of suitable for anyone who um, perhaps is sort of focused on cost, but wants a sort of uh, set and forget investment strategy, uh, you know, uh, along the lines of sort of shares, bonds, and cash, uh, following the world's the world's markets. Mm-hmm. And then, what's um, uh, what's four plus about? So four plus, um, this plan was brought in for our over fifties, um, and it was brought in especially for savers who want to make regular withdrawals um, when they each when they reach 55 which is the point at which you you can take money from your pension so from 55 um, if you plan to make a reg- regular withdrawal the sustainable withdrawal rate is around four percent so this plan seeks to return around four percent over a five-year period um, and it's a little bit more expensive than the other plans because it's got um because of the targeted return it's got this actively managed component Mm-hmm. So the team at State Street are adjusting the asset allocation on a weekly basis um, in response to market conditions so that you get that targeted return. Um, and we introduced this um, plan as part of something called um, the FCA's Investment Pathways, which are coming in um, on the 1st of February uh, 2021. And that's basically to offer all customers who enter something called non-advised drawdown, that's where customers take money from their pension age 55 without talking to advisor. It needs to be sure that the objectives that they have um, are match the plan they're in. So so this this objective is for a customer who plans to make regular withdrawals. Ah, okay, okay. And then I've also noticed just one more, actually. I noticed you've got um, an ethical portfolio in there. Um, so that's about ESG investments. We've got the Future World Fund. Um so we brought that back in uh that came in i think 2017 18 in response to demand that we had for sustainable investment products and it's really the only plan of its type on the market which is a passive project product that benefit benefits from the active asset asset stewardship through this engagement with consequences approach so so the hmm. the the managers over at elgym what they do is they they work with um sort of the laggards in the portfolio i'll give you an example with shell they sort of successfully lobbied Shell, the management team at Shell, along with, you know, another, another, a lot of other asset owners, and they got Shell to tie um, carbon emissions targets to executive pay. Um, so that was one of the successes of the plan. I think they 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 also sort of similarly tried to engage with Exxon Mobil, and in the end they made no progress, and so they divested all money from the future world uh, portfolio at Elgin from from Exxon. So so that's our sort of um, our sustainable investment engaged product. But mm-hmm. over the last year, we've really sort of been um, very aware that lots of customers have, have told us that the time for engagement with oil companies is over. 
Um, in fact, I think in the last year, you know, as a result of um, Extinction Rebellion and and, and, mm. and and Greta, and of course now, you know, how COVID has made us realize, you know, how mm. quite, quite how, how, you know, connected the economy is to, to environment. I think, you know, people are just really, really horrified to learn that their pension is invested in oil companies. Mm. And so um, what we're, we're, we're now introducing um, a new plan with, again, with legal and general investment management, it's called the fossil fuel free plan. And we are launching that next month. Um, and that plan will completely exclude all companies that have um, proven or probable reserves in oil, gas or coal. It's also mm. going to exclude all tobacco companies and it's going to exclude um manufacturers of controversial weapons and mm. also violate perennial violators of the un global compact mm. because i think you know i think we, what we're seeing now is that people are really engaging with um, where their money is invested and they just don't want they don't want any of their money in mm. oil or tobacco so so we're introducing that from next month as well so then we'll offer from an ethical standpoint we're going to offer an engaged product and an exclude product mm. That's interesting. So even though oil companies are coming out and sort of making these um, promised target dates of when they're going to be carbon neutral, investors now are just like, no, I just don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Well, yeah, they just don't believe them. You know, mm. the oil companies say out and say, oh, you know, we're going to, re- you know, we're going to plant an inaudible number of trees somewhere in the world to offset mm. our business activities. Mm. But then you find out in, a, you know, somewhere else, you know, that they're actually going to increase um extraction you know by 30 percent over the next year right so so people just think that we don't we don't believe what they're saying and i think the time is to just um you know act with our feet and move the money out in effect realizing which you know making their own decisions on whether companies are greenwashing um and presenting themselves more esgable than than they maybe are yeah and yeah and i think that's one of the positives that we've seen actually as you know off the back of covid i think people Mm. are becoming much more aware of the impact that the um, that the economy is having on our environment and how now actually pensions actually you know I think Richard Curtis is just um, is behind this make my money <laughs> yes. matter campaign as yes, well. Yes, I'll just so, mention him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's lots. I think just there's this growing awareness, um, not only with our customers but just generally across across you know across the UK that your pension is invested in the world around Ooh. you and actually your pension has a lot of power. Mm. And that, you know, you, you have the power to take your money away from those companies that you don't, you know, that don't meet, you know, your own personal, you know, ethical or, or moral standards. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible what Richard Curtis is doing. And I think that's it. You know, I, I was talking to a friend the other day and um, they were like, oh, well, I don't do any investments. And I was like, what about your pension? Oh, oh, yeah, good point, actually. I think this realisation, especially as you, you sort of mentioned that um, with auto enrolment, actually a lot more of us are are invested in pension than perhaps we even realise, you have this ability mm. to vote with your feet. And yes. if, if you don't want to be invested in these companies that you don't agree with, you can very much make those decisions. Yes. So um, that's what we're offering. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, okay, let's get on to contributions then. How do you, how do you, how do you go about paying into these? You know, is there anything to note here? Yeah, so, I mean, you you know, you can contribute um, via our app in just a few moments. I mean, we will automatically um, top up your tax. So so what happens is when you, most UK taxpayers will get tax relief on pension contributions. So basic rate taxpayers will get a 25% tax top up, which means HMRC is adding 25 pounds for every 100 pounds you pay into your pension. So that's basically free money from the government. And when you make a personal contribution with us, we will top that up automatically. 
um, if you are a standard rate, a, a basic rate taxpayer. But if you're a higher rate taxpayer, then you'll need to claim that additional tax relief yourself through self-assessment. Um, mm -hmm. Another, um, we also offer the ability to pay money in as from a limited company. Mm -hmm. So if you run your own business and it's incorporated as an embassy company, you can make personal contributions or you can make contributions through your company. Um, and also that that sort of has some some tax advantages because those pension contributions can be treated as uh, an allowable business expense and offset against your company's corporation tax bill. But, you know, obviously both options bring bring tax advantages and, and what's right for you will depend on your individual circumstances, but we we basically facilitate both for you um, and you can do both within you know a matter of minutes in our app. What happens if Pension B goes bust? What happens to my money? Um, so Pension B doesn't manage your money. Um, your money is managed by the world's largest investment managers who would continue to invest your pension um, if Pension B ceased to exist. Um, so additionally, um, your pension is protected by the Financial Services Compensation Scheme for 100% of the value with no upper limit should one of those money managers fail. So, you know, keeping our customers' money safe is of the utmost importance to us. Um, let's get, I mean, we talked about other sort of digital wealth managers. Um, why are you over a SIP provider? I mean, I mentioned perhaps there maybe is too much choice with a SIP provider. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think a lot of the DIY um, fund supermarkets, um, they just offer kind of this whole plethora of investment options including individual shares. And it's just it's it's just too complicated for most savers. Um, also on the fees side, um, there are so many different types of fee, tiered fund fees, platform fees, initial fund charges, dealing fees. And also there's no standardization of, of the names of those fees across different platforms. So they all sort of call them different things. And so it can be really, really difficult for someone even working in finance to get their head around. <laughs> what the total mm. cost will be and actually um, a lot of the investment options are, are far too complex for normal mm. savers. What, where do you see pension B going you know is it, is it going to develop just go deeper into the pensions market or do you think do you think you'll widen your sort of product set out? No I mean I don't, I don't think there's any ambition to, to widen the products I mean look the, 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 the future is very exciting because the market is and the opportunity is truly huge. Um, so I think, you know, we, you know, the market is set to exceed 1 trillion. Um, and that's the, the defined contribution pension market um, in the next few years. And I think there's still so much to be done to change pensions for the better for all consumers. So our mission is to make pensions simple and engaging for everyone. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we're still very small compared to the market. And so we're very much focused now on growth and on helping hundreds of thousands of people take control of their pension. Um, and so, yeah, we're just going to continue to do what we're doing, continue to try and reach as many people as we can. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think a, a big part as well is to try and change um, the whole industry um, so that it better serves consumers. Well, on that note, Claire Riley, thanks for joining us on the pod. No worries. Thank, thank, thank you very much, Marcus. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview. Please remember it's not a specific endorsement of Pension B. When it comes to selecting platforms or any investments for your portfolio, you've got to make your own mind up as, of course, we don't know anything to do with your own personal financial circumstances.
Next week, we've got the Investment Association on the pod. So they're the industry body that oversee 85% of the industry. That represents about £8.5 trillion worth of assets. So it'll be interesting to see what they have to say about broader trends and what they're seeing in the market. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.